0: Hi, I'm Will Freed.
1: Hi, I'm Trisha
2: Baldwin. Hi, I'm Aaron Denver Mietermaffer. And I'm Jason Jones, and you're listening to ADA Live. Yo.
3: Hi, right, let's roll.
4: everybody. On behalf of the Southeast ADA Center, the Burton Blatt Institute at Syracuse University, and the ADA National Network, I want to welcome you to this episode of ADA Live. Listening audience, if you have questions about the Americans with Disabilities Act, you can use the online form anytime at adalive.org. The theme for National Disability Employment Awareness Month, or MDEM, For this year, 2021, is America's Recovery, Powered by Inclusion, and it it reflects the importance of ensuring that people with disabilities have full access to employment and community involvement during the national recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic. NDEAM is held each October to commemorate the many and varied contributions of people with disabilities to America's workplace and our economy. You can browse our website for ideas and resources to employers, community organizations, state and local government, advocacy groups, and schools, so that you can participate in celebrating ND through events and activities centered around the theme, America's Recovery, Powered by Inclusion. In recognition uh, and in celebration of this event, ADA Live is very pleased to welcome a panel of folks today to talk about their personal experiences in finding employment, making sure they have accommodation to do their jobs, and the importance of employment and career to community inclusion. Our guests today are Will Freed, Tricia Baldwin, Erin Denberg-Niederhofer, and Jason Jones, and I want to welcome you all to the show. I think probably the obvious place to start is to talk about your job or your career. So I'm going to start with, with Will. Will, can you tell us a little bit about... Uh, how you come to be working at Fort Hayes State College.
0: I came from, to my current role as the graduate assistant in accessibility services at Fort Hayes State University from being an undergraduate student advocate during my four years at Salisbury University in Maryland, where I was constantly advocating for change for students Um, with disabilities because I saw the struggle of students with disabilities at the college level having to navigate advocating for themselves for the first time because when students with disabilities transition from high school to college, not all their accommodations are given to their instructors and it adds an added barrier. And, And I started to become passionate about advocating as a person with a disability for myself and um, um, and I learned during my college experience that I could be doing for this as a career to help other students with disabilities succeed at the college level.
4: Great. Thanks, Will. So, Jason, um, why don't you talk a little bit about your work and how you came to do it?
2: Well, I mean, I, can, I think kind of my, my, uh, my work found me instead of me finding my work. I, uh, I was injured in a, in a track meet in high school at age 15. Um, and I sustained a spinal cord injury at high level. Uh, C4, um, which paralyzed you know, I'm paralyzed from the chest down, basically. Um, and so, you know, the advocacy thing sort of started early. Um, and that sort of led to, to early on, I, I uh, went to college, graduated with a degree in mass communications, and thought I was going to go into the world of media. Um, and I did for a little while, did um, some stuff with uh, newspapers and television um, for a couple of years, and uh, worked for a couple of marketing firms. And then um, uh, the Office of Vocational Rehabilitation, or as we call it, OVR. OVR came calling and said, you know, we're looking for somebody to kind of do those things for us. Um, and I ended up going to OVR. And and, and basically at OVR, I, you know, I went in thinking I was going to be the public relations person. And that's, uh, that was a part of my role for many years. But uh, bigger than that, I really kind of morphed into um, being immersed sort of in the disability community and the advocacy side and the mentoring side of things. From there, I ended up now at my current position at the University of Kentucky Human Development Institute. And have really been able to sort of spread my wings even a little bit more. And kind of get into some of those areas that have always been of super interest to me, especially with the mentoring side. So let's turn to Trisha next. Uh, Trisha, why don't you
4: tell us about your work?
1: I work at VisionWorks, which is a a vision um, optometrist um, around the country there um are about 90 not more probably 90 or more vision works in the um, united states um and my my store is like one of the busiest stores in the united states i work as a receptionist a pretester, and also i work in dispensing sometimes dispensing glasses and also putting up glasses. I came into the job with um, no expectations of what I would be doing, how much I would be doing or what how much I would be moving around. Um, I move around pretty much all day because they have me like one for a minute they have me in pretest and then they'll have me like in reception and then they'll tell me to go to dispensing to help dispensing and then they'll tell me to hop back over the reception. So it's pretty active.
4: So Trisha, prior to working at VisionWorks, Works also were involved in like uh, mentorship opportunities, right? In college? Yes. Yes. And, and yes, it, I was. Yeah. Tell, tell us about that.
1: Um, The mentorships were, uh, I meant the internship was pretty Fun and pretty, um, like relaxing to do, but um, it was interning at WDRB as a um, pretty much watching and learning how to um, use the cameras, how to um, edit the videos, thing about the radio, the TV station. So, um, one week they would have me in. Watching people edit one week, they would have me and watching um, people uh, with the sound one week. They would have me like in different weeks, they would have me in different areas of the WDRB.
4: And that, that's that's a television station in, in Louisville, right?
1: Yes, sir. Okay, and,
4: and and finally, let's turn to Aaron. Aaron, um, tell us about your work.
3: I don't work specifically for a company. I work for a supervisor team leader at said company. The Piedmont Group of Atlanta, which is basically a financial services firm, and my financial services, insurance, investments, annuities, et cetera, I handle data mining and social media marketing projects. I came to have this project, um, this job, thanks to Briggs & Associates, a job employment agency that works in Georgia. Basically, a now-retired job coach found my current employer at a job hunting um, event at a church. The church was holding a job hunting event where the employer was looking for summer interns. She convinced him to hire me, a person with autism, full-time in a position that would regard data analysis. I had five interviews with said employer where I had researched the company, researched the role, and researched the field. The employer said that if I could get an insurance license, he would hire me. I passed the insurance license on the first go. And then got fired, nearly fired in the first week because what an unspoken rule, something that people with disabilities, especially cognitive and developmental disabilities need to learn is office professionalism. And that was something I struggled with. But that job coach came through for me and encouraged my boss to give me
4: a second chance. So Aaron you mentioned how in that first week you you almost got fired.
3: So well technically I did that <laughs> I worked for the company right. got- Fired, and now I work for the, my boss who works for the company.
4: I got you. Let me ask, and I'll start with you, Aaron, since you and I are, are chatting. What sort of barriers, other than what happened that first week, are there other barriers you encountered in finding work or, or keeping a
3: job? Well, you have to base it, for, when you have disabilities, you're held under a magnifying glass. People, employers, will think that your accommodations or your disability may mean you're a drain on resources or that you may be productive. You basically got a chip on your shoulder. You have to prove something. Um, You have to basically show that you are just as as competent and as useful as the non-disabled individuals. I think one of the barriers is basically... To get the accommodations that we need, accommodations are a barrier. You have to find a way to show these potential employers that your accommodations.
4: Jason, what sort of accommodations uh, do you have in order to do your job?
2: Well, I mean, I think I think one of the biggest things right now, of course, is the work at home accommodation. I'm just just for the own for my own safety and and honestly for the safety of my family is and and you know most of us. I've gotten that accommodation over the last year or so, um, but you know I, I use tons of assistive technology. Um, over the years, I've, 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 I've asked for everything from um, accessible camera equipment um, to um, you know ways to interface with the public um, through telephone systems, those kinds of things. Um, I use some pretty antiquated equipment, but it's always been kind of provided for me. And software, obviously, is, is a big issue. Um, and over the years, I've had things um, like, you know, getting up in the morning can be a sort of a long process, you know, um, sometimes going into a couple of hours. So adjusting a work schedule to make it even more project based or, you know, instead of working 730 to 330 or, you know, maybe 930 to 530, those kinds of things. I would say the most important thing I've done is, is to enter into that interactive process. We talk a lot about it in, in ADA trainings and stuff. But it's so important to develop that relationship. I think Aaron alluded to it a minute ago with just having a good communication system with, with your supervisor and your boss um, and, and being able to sort of break down those barriers that may uh, kind of wear their ugly head at times. Uh, Thanks, Jason. So
4: what about Trisha? Trisha, do you have you encountered barriers in, in getting a job or keeping a job?
1: Well, what, what happened to me is well, I was hired them part-time to do part-time. At VisionWorks, and um, a a few, it only took me maybe a few months. Um, a few months later, um, my boss came up to me and noticed how how much of a hard worker I was, so he gave me a full time job at um, VisionWorks as um, just doing the same exact thing that I was doing: pretest reception and um, and dispensing. And he just knew how hard I was working there that I could be um, working for full time.
4: Very good, yeah, thank you. So hard, hard work paid off, huh?
3: Yes, sir. Yeah. I just want to interject, I think it's notable. I'm not saying it's a good thing about our disability, but it, a lot of employers seem to have claimed that people with disabilities, development otherwise seem to have a stronger work ethic than a lot of people without disabilities. And I just noticed that they seem to be um, gravitating towards us for that reason among others and willing to hire us or promote us.
4: Yep, good, good point, excellent point. So that ADA listening audience, if you have questions about NDEAM, this topic, or any other ADA Live topic, you can submit your questions online at adalive.org, or you can call the Southeast ADA Center at one 404 And now word from this episode sponsor.
5: October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month, or NDEAM. The purpose of NDEAM is to educate the public about disability employment issues and celebrate the many and varied contributions of America's workers with disabilities. Held annually, National Disability Employment Awareness Month is led by the U.S. Department of Labor's Office of Disability Employment Policy (ODEP), But its true spirit lies in the many observances held at the grassroots level across the nation every year. Employers of all sizes and in all industries are encouraged to participate in NDEAM. For specific ideas about how you can support National Disability Employment Awareness Month, visit www.dol.gov forward slash N-D-E-A-M.
4: So welcome back. We're continuing our conversation with Will Freed, Trish Baldwin, Jason Jones, and Aaron Denberg-Niederhofer, uh, and we're talking about what has helped you to be successful at your job and barriers you've encountered. You know, the last year and a half, two years, it's been really tough with the pandemic, and I'm, I'm wondering, and I'll start with, uh, with Will, how has the pandemic affected your job?
0: With being working in accessibility services um, at Fort Hayes of State University, I've been fortunate to be able to work um, in person since last year when I have um, started. But I mean, but with this pandemic, the one thing that, I mean, that was different was that more students with disabilities were taking exams online we're doing some traveling, I remember it at, at
4: some very difficult times. So I'm glad you stayed safe. Yeah. Tr- Tricia, has the pandemic affected um, your employment um, at all?
1: It, it hasn't really affected it. It's just like we don't have a lot of customers coming in, but we do sanitize and also clean after each customer. So like the machines, we clean and sanitize after each customer. The doctor's rooms, we sanitize and clean after each customer. And it just hasn't really been an issue. But some people do walk in and they're like, "Um, we have our vaccine. And I'm like, well, we're still a medical facility. So we do require masks in our facility." And they're like, "That's crazy," and and we just have to tell them, "If you don't want to wear it, you don't need to be here."
4: Yeah, your experience is a little different, Trisha, because I mean, you guys are an essential service, right? I mean, without glasses, you know, a lot of us are at a tremendous disadvantage. Aaron, how has the pandemic uh, affected you and your
3: work? I. Technically, come into the office twice a week to report in, pick up assignments, meet with the team. Job was not impacted negatively. I do meet with the team less and less because some of them are trying to avoid COVID. But the work I do allows us to do Zoom, phone call, email, and other stuff. Because my work is more computer-based and less, like, um, say, less manual labor, less meeting someone for coffee or lunch or boardroom meetings, I'm able to safely work in a computer environment from home.
4: Right. And, and Jason, I know that, that you, you know, you, you've always had kind of a work from home option, but are there other ways that the pandemic has affected the work that you do as far as training or technical assistance?
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things, and, you know, I work closely with you, Barry, and the, the thing that I miss the most is that ability just to jump down the hallway and sort of talk to three or four people and sort of get a cohesive idea or approach to something um, that we're trying to tackle. That's That's been more difficult. Uh, we we um, had already pivoted so much early before the pandemic to a lot of online Zoom meetings, those kinds of things, because um, at the Human Development Institute, we work with a lot of People from other states. I mean, people on this call are good examples. Um, and and people are employed. You know, we have we have people that work for HDI in Atlanta and Indianapolis and all parts of the state. So so we had already sort of kind of we were sort of trailblazers. I think in that. I think we've actually been maybe more efficient um, over the last year or so. Um, but uh, I think the the most difficult thing is is that the the community. Uh, people with disabilities and people um, who are kind of the stakeholders and, and those I would call maybe the helpers or um, the people that are really trying to get out there and make a difference. Uh, we're pretty, we're, we seem to be a little stronger when we can sit down, bounce ideas off each other and that kind of stuff. And not being able to be in a room together has been uh, probably the most difficult. Um, but as far as being efficient, I think we've, we've done pretty well.
4: Yeah, it's that that informal collaboration is the greatest thing I think that we have lost. Um, yes, and I'm going to stay with you, and this is really a question I've always wanted to ask you. Can you tell me who or or maybe what was the biggest influence uh, in in your life in in moving toward your employment goals?
2: I mean, the easy answer here is my parents, just just because um, they sort of always instilled in us a work ethic. Um, me and my sister my brother that said, you know, you're going to grow up, you're going to go to college, um, you're going to get a job. Kathy Williams um, and Sam Seriglio at the Office of Vocational Rehabilitation, early on were two significant figures in the person that I've turned out to be as an advocate and as as a professional. Um, I would say Tom Gravitt, who I consider um, my my mentor, um, another person with a spinal cord injury, I saw him work and I saw him get up every day and I saw him do the things that he needed to do. And I met him in rehab when I was 15 years old um, and thought, hey, here's a guy that looks like me and uh, ha- has a lot in common with me and is um, um, doing all the things that I want to do. Will, how about you? Yes. Yeah, so um, I've been
0: very fortunate to have some very supportive professors during my time as a student. Um, at Salisbury University who've, who have pushed me to go above and beyond. And it started during my sophomore year in college with the um, distinguished professor in the Department of Conflict Analysis and Dispute Resolution and Dr. Thomas Boudreau, who had me do a policy proposal. And it was more related to changing classes around to be like more inclusive to individuals with disabilities. And he's someone that grew up as being um, deaf and didn't speak until he was age five. And he's someone that, that, that really appreciated my work and told me like how brilliant I was. And at that time I was kind of trying to figure out what I really wanted to do um, with, with my career, as well as getting the opportunity to be, to be taught by Dr. Dean Ravica who's one of the top internationally known adapted physical educators in the country and are really incorporated and talk and putting more about adaptation theory to push my disability of advocacy forward and telling me like I didn't have to hold myself short in having ability and really pushed me and joked with me to, because he knew that I could do well Is
4: Thanks Will. Um, Tricia,
1: how about you? Yeah, um, my parents have really been a advocate, um, a, have really been the help to me, and also um, my swim team. They were encouraging me. They knew I wanted to work, and they were encouraging me to just pursue a job, any job that I wanted to do. And then I thought, well, I could work at as the retail person and then I was like well I know someone that that works there and they might you know help me with finding a job so I was like okay I'm going to try that route first
4: right that's always very helpful knowing knowing somebody Aaron, how about you? Do you have somebody or something you think is a big influence in your reaching your employment goal?
3: Um, besides my mom and my current boss, as a child to adulthood, I had little to no friends, couldn't drive till I was 25, had little to no social skills or applicable skills whatsoever. The, what biggest influence was my desire to be somebody to be something to do something to be gather leading in life so i was so frustrated with the situations that the influence led me to have a desire to improve myself constantly learn new things try new things expand my mindset abilities in life so I guess the biggest influence was my desire to change my life to one that I could be proud of rather than hate it and well I drive now I I was able to keep a relationship for three years I'm able to hold on to a job for three years I have friends and um, well I'm here right now so I guess sometimes not many people may think of it this way, but if you are willing, but if you can convince yourself to do something, you can be your own biggest influence. So long as a few people who aren't necessarily that big influence, give you a little push or encouragement.
4: Uh, That's very good. Um, So earlier, we had had mentioned uh, accommodation, and you, you know, Jason, you had mentioned um, the interactive process. So let me let me start with Jason. How do you think the ADA has had an impact on the employment of people with disabilities?
2: Well, I, I think I think probably a little more on a macro level, the ADA has had an influence because of just the ability to see disability. Um, you know, I was injured the year that the ADA was signed. Um, so I don't, I don't have as much of a concept of what it was like before, um, but I have seen what it has become over the past um, 30 plus years. And I think that, that society's acceptance of disability, although nowhere close to where it could be, um, and absolutely not uh, where we want it to be, um, it has morphed into more of a, we see people with disabilities and we see people with autism, we see people who are deaf and blind, and we see people with physical and mental um, disabilities, um, intellectual disabilities. And and so I think overall in society, it kind of gives us a little more perception that, okay, we're all kind of the same. Um, We are a diverse group. And I think ultimately that helps in employment. Now, employment provisions in the ADA obviously have done so much to create a more, equal process. You know, when we talk about the ADA, and and I say it all the time, it's like, it's from the time you walk in the door or roll in the door or however you get in the door, as far as everything needs to be accessible all the way through to that last part um, where whether or not you get the job. Um, When disability does not have to play a significant role in that decision uh, for that employer, it makes a big difference and it definitely levels the playing field. I'm proud of, of of, of how far we've come and I'm saddened by how far we have to go.
4: Yes, very well said. Will, how about you? How's has the ADA been beneficial to people finding work?
0: Yeah, I feel like the ADA has definitely, I mean, made buildings more, I mean, accessible for people with disabilities since, uh, since 1990 and, and, and incorporating wheelchair ramps has been allowing people with disabilities to to get employment because there's wheelchair um, ramps um, as well as sign language interpretation being accommodated for individuals who are deaf and hard of hearing that's I mean been a big thing because it's something that they need in order to succeed as well as being inclusive of screen readers for folks who are blind um, and, um, and visually impaired and Um, And the one thing that definitely, I mean, has helped the ADA um, build is is definitely including and being more aware of universal design to go above and beyond the ADA for folks who have disabilities, as well as incorporating the, the disability justice framework, which was created by Sins Invalid, which is a disability performance um, group that does a lot of um, activism and especially utilizing a print, the principle called collective access, which we need to do more. That individuals with disabilities have different needs that might be going above and beyond. Like they might need like a more comfort spaces for them, more uh, decompression because the intersection of mental health and disability and trauma need. Needs to be aware of. And we have to still, as a society, realize that anybody can acquire a disability at any time in, in their life, and that disability is the largest minority group because of that. It's still something that society has to believe, and we have to keep on changing the attitudinal barriers about this. Will, you know, one,
4: one of the things that, that, that we say at Burton Blatt Institute is we, we are all just temporarily able, right? Aaron, what, what about how has the ADA helped uh, people find work and become employed?
3: Given how the workforce can be extremely close-minded and may not necessarily listen to people with disabilities, but may listen to job coach agencies, job coaches, or organizations that um, have been recognized by groups like ADA, I would say Briggs and Associates has been proof that ADA has managed to achieve impact in allowing people with disabilities to hold on to their positions. It's one thing to get a job, holding on to it, improving it, that's a lot can be a lot harder. And I think ADA has played a huge role in allowing for job uh, retention, job promotion, and um, especially accommodations people with disabilities. So I would not be where I am today without a good part of what ADA has done for me.
4: Do you have anything to add, Tricia?
1: Um. Yeah, I just think ADA was, is like a good program because a lot of people don't understand that people with disabilities can work as hard as people without disabilities and work as much as people without disabilities do. A lot of employers don't understand that and think when people with disabilities come in, they're like, we're not going to hire her because she has a disability, but sometimes they do hire people because they think they could be a good candidate.
2: That's,
4: that's yeah. an excellent point. So. Let's, let's wrap this up and I, I wanna ask you guys each a question and if you could a- answer it in just one sentence, okay? <laughs> uh, if that's possible. Do you have any advice in one sentence for somebody just starting a job search or a career? Jason?
2: Um, and you say one sentence, that, that makes it difficult. Um, if I had advice, I guess it would be look for something that's going to suit you and the person that you're working for well, regardless of disability, and enter into that interactive process as soon as possible. How about you, Aaron?
4: One sentence, advice for somebody.
3: One, do not burn bridges between any groups of people, be neutral on politics and religion, and get a minimum of six hours of sleep. Use only one to two cups of coffee per day. (laughs) Excellent. That will, also, that will not only help you in terms of getting potential jobs through your network, but also holding on to them. But let me just cap off my sense by saying it's not just what you know that will help you get your job. Who you know can be just as or even more important. Good
4: advice. Thank you, Aaron. Trisha, you have a bit of advice?
3: One
1: is you can do whatever you put your mind to. Like, even if you don't think you could do something, you could always just try it. And if you fail, you tr- get up and try again.
0: That's always great advice. Wilfrey, you have the last word. As Ed Roberts would say, just go out there and change the old attitudes.
4: Perfect, perfect way to end it. So I wanna thank you, Will, Jason, Aaron, Tricia, and I wanna thank our ADA Live listening audience for joining us for this episode. To access ADA Live episodes, visit our website at adalive.org. All those episodes are archived with streamed audio, accessible transcripts, and resources. You can listen to ADA Live on our SoundCloud channel. That is soundcloud.com forward slash ADA Live. You can always download ADA Live to your mobile device. Uh, Go to the podcast app and search for ADA Live. Remember, if you have questions about the ADA, you can submit them anytime online at adalive.org or contact your regional ADA center at 1-800-949-4232. And remember those calls are always free and they're confidential. ADA Live is a program of the Southeast ADA Center. Our producer, Celestia Razda. With Beth Miller-Harrison, Mary Mortar, Emily Ruber, Marsha Schwanke, and me, I'm Barry Whaley. Our music is from Four Wheel City, the movement for improvement. We'll see you next episode, everybody. Be safe.